<laughs> the presents have all been given. Uh, the ham and uh, the prawns and uh, all the barbies have all been eaten. Uh, and by and large, the decorations and all the trimmings, uh, the festivities, and indeed the year is about to end with a prospect, but no guarantee of another full year. Christmas, as we know it, came and went until next year. Or does it? Truth be told, Christmas, the reason for the season, the savior of sinners, uh, is not and should not be a once a year remembrance. The Lord Jesus being the center of Christmas celebrations uh, should and must be the central figure in our day-to-day -day lives until our appointed time or for when we hear the trump of God sound. He should be central in our lives. We have got one life to live. And we sing it all the time and only one life. Well, when we hear the trumpet sound where the Christ crucified will come unannounced uh, like a thief in the night, the Bible says, to, to, to capture, to, to snatch away, rapturo in Latin, uh, where we got the word rapture from, or harpazo in Greek, uh, with the genuine uh, believers will be taken away in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says. Uh, indeed, taken from this world of sin. Indeed, the Lamb was planned and promised, was prepared, provided, and presented, and now, as we uh, consider the final installment on this our Christmas series this year, and as we wrap this thing up, I want to preach to you this morning on the subject, the Lamb praised. The Lamb praised. Open your Bibles again, please, to the Gospel uh, according to Luke, and uh, that's... Uh, uh, what uh, our reading um, was this morning, and uh, of course, uh, it's quite a lengthy uh, passage, and uh, Brother Branko has read that to us, uh, and so I just want you to be there, so then uh, when I uh, pick some verses up, you're ready, but let's, uh, uh, let's just pray together, and uh, we'll continue uh, with the preaching of God's Word. Father, as we have read your word, as we have sang, as we have um, uh, watched some images, as uh, uh, indeed we have prayed, uh, we put all our attention and focus to you right now. Whatever cares and whatever ponderings that we may have at this time, help us to uh, just put them aside. And Lord, that we would uh, indeed... Uh, seriously consider uh, the things that we will uh, see, uh, read, and, and hear, and learn. Father, I pray once more uh, for the empowering from on high. Thank you once again that uh, you have given me this privilege to serve you in this way, and indeed to preach your word, your living word, the very basis of our faith and practice and nothing else. And so, Father, as we look to it, uh, we pray for your wisdom. Teach us your truth yet again. 
And more than that, Father, allow us, help us to determine for ourselves the personal applications that we can make uh, out of the preaching of your word today. Help me to preach well and compellingly. Use me as a channel, as an instrument of your blessing. May you only be seen in all of this and be glorified in everything that will be said and done. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. The passage that uh, uh, Brother Branko read for us occurred some 40 days after the very first Christmas in Bethlehem. As per the law, Jesus was circumcised when he was eight days old. Uh, Leviticus chapter 12, verse 3, that is, 40 days after Jesus' birth, Mary concluded her purification days, Leviticus 12, 1 to 4. And Jesus, being the firstborn son, uh, again, according to the law, must be redeemed. Leviticus 12, Exodus 13. You can read that and study for yourself, but let this play out in your mind. The Redeemer, with a capital R, R needs to be redeemed. There's a lot there. There is a lot there. So I'd encourage you to read up and, uh, uh, and study it. Uh, once again, Jesus did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Now, whilst Joseph and Mary were at the temple, two elderly saints, Simeon and Anna, were at the, t- the right time and at the right place, awaiting for the appearing of the Messiah. This, of course, was not a coincidence, but rather a, an ordination, a, a divine appointment uh, by no other than God himself through the Holy Spirit. Now, this morning, I'd like us to observe and learn from these senior saints and indeed make personal applications to ourselves. Notice the motivation of Simeon's praise. The motivation of Simeon's praise to the Lamb of God. Incidentally, the name Simeon, or the word Simeon, means he who hears. Now, Simeon lived up to his name by hearing, and I might add, believing in the revelation of the Holy Ghost unto him in verse 26. Now, Simeon was told that he will not die until he had seen the Messiah. Now, notice the language of the scripture here in verse 26. Before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, go to verse 30. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Beloved, Simeon's motivation to praise the Lamb of God is because of who he is. And that is our motivation to praise God. Because of who he is. Uh, He is the Lord Christ. The anointed one. The Messiah. And he is, is the personification of salvation. Uh, When he was born, the angels knew. The shepherds were told about it. And now Simeon, not only did he know that the Messiah has come, 
He also met him personally. Uh, in verse 28, we see that he took him up in his own arms. Wow. Imagine that. The very son of God. Your arms. That's Simeon's experience. The son of God in human arms. In Simeon's arms. But you know, just like many others at the temple that day, many did not know Christ the Lord. The Savior of man. And sadly, that is still true today. Many in their millions, beloved, still do not know the Savior Christ the Lord. And even more sad, many refuse to know the Christ the Lord. But once again, who is Jesus? Beloved, he is the God-man. God in human flesh, John 1, 1 and 1, 14, Philippians 2, uh, verses 5 to 8. He is, as our series is entitled, the Lamb of God, the sacrifice for sin, slain really from before the foundation of the world. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation uh, received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and your hope might be in God. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus is the God-man. The Lamb of God. And thirdly, Jesus is the Savior of sinners and is the only way to God. John 14, uh, 6, Acts 4, 12, 1 John 5, 12, John 8, 24. Again, these are all verses that you have heard and are familiar for. And you can, uh, in your own time, read them again and encourage your heart. He is the only way. The truth and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father. But by him indeed, amen. And so Simeon knew who Jesus was. He knew him as Christ the Lord, as the Savior of men. Do you know Jesus? I'm not asking if you know of Jesus. Do you know Jesus? If that's the case, then you can also praise the Lamb like Simeon did. Simeon praised the Lamb who came. Notice, secondly, why he came. 
in, in verse 30 of, of our text, <clears throat> we read, For mine eyes have seen thy uh, salvation, uh, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. From verse 30, we now know that he is the Lord Jesus, uh, and he is salvation. But notice now verse 31. He was prepared for all people. Verse 32, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel. Simeon, through his declaration, confirms to us that God is no respecter of persons. Whether you are a Jew, whether you are Greek or Gentile, bond nor free, whether your skin is black or white or yellow, whether you are blonde or brunette, male or female, young or old, rich or poor, if you would but come to Jesus, he will be your light and he will be your glory if you would come to him in faith. Once again, that verse on the wall says it all for all of us. Let's say it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then in Revelation 22, verse 17, as the holy book ends, beloved, as eternity is ushered in, once again, God in his mercy is calling out to every man, woman and child to come to him. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that hear it say, come. Uh, and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Right at the very end, the Lord Jesus is calling people. And they, oh, listen to me. Again, please listen to me, my unbelieving friend. As the year is about to end, do not wait. Come to the Lord Jesus, Him, Christ the Lord, and Savior of sinners. I plead with you. That's the word that I'm using again. Come to Jesus. As I said in the beginning, we have a prospect of a new year. We do not have a guarantee of a full year. Oh, would you come to Jesus? Why do you wait? Why do you wait? Simeon praised the Lamb for who he is. He praised him for why he came. And thirdly, Simeon praised the Lamb for what he will accomplish. Verse 34. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall uh, and rising uh, again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Verse 35, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Simeon prophesied him to be a stone. Where did you get that, Pastor? Just bear with me for a moment. He prophesied him to be a stone, a sign, and a sword. Now let's unpack this verse a little bit here. The phrase, the child is set or destined, 
for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. That phrase there is a reference for the, uh, of, to Jesus being the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. Now, to understand that, please turn your Bibles uh, to Psalm 118. Psalm 118 in the Old Testament, of course. Psalm 118. <clears throat> Here in verse 22. Psalm 118 in verse 22. Remember, we're looking for where I got the word stone from. Psalm 118, verse 22. The stone which the builders refuse is become the headstone of the corner. Now turn with me to Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14. The prophet Isaiah chapter 8, here in verse 14. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14. And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling block, and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gene and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Okay. So many, beloved, in Israel would stumble over the life of the ministry uh, of the Lord Jesus. They would stumble as they are now, as they have been before, they would stumble in rejection and conviction. But many, even though they stumbled, would rise up and believe him in salvation at the appointed time. Now, Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, And I will pour upon the house of David, upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness of the firstborn. Jesus, beloved, is indeed the stone of Israel, as Simeon has prophesied at the time. Still in verse 34, Jesus also is a sign which shall be spoken against back in our text. The word sign here is semion, uh, and it has the idea of a miracle, an idea of a token, an idea of a wonder. Beloved, Jesus is God's miracle. Jesus is God's gift to the world. Yet the stone, and indeed the sign, was rejected and ultimately crucified by men. His birth was a miracle, conceived as a miracle from God through the Holy Ghost. Yet John chapter 8, turn there please, John chapter 8 here in verse 39. John chapter 8, here in verse 39 uh, to 41. In the New Testament now we are. John 8, 39, 41. His birth was a miracle. Conceived was a miracle uh, from God through the Holy Ghost. Yet, read this, they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. 
Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that had told you the truth which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Did you notice that? They said to his face, they believed that he was born out of fornication. Remember, Mary conceived out of the Holy Ghost and she was espoused to Joseph. So the word in town, the gossip in town is that she has fornicated herself. And they told Jesus right on his face. Hmm. They dismissed and disbelieved of his miraculous conception. Now Jesus designed, remember, the miracle himself, who did many miracles and wonders, yet they credited his miracles to the devils. To the devils. Matthew chapter 12, let's stand there please. Matthew chapter 12. <clears throat> It's good to go through these gospel narratives and verses. Matthew chapter 12, uh, here in verse 22. <clears throat> we are now talking about the miracles that the Lord Jesus, plenty of them. They have been witnesses to those miracles. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him in so much that the blind and dumb, that means deaf, both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But, listen and look at who these people are. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. He did miracles. He was living up to his name as being the sign, okay? And the Pharisees were discrediting him. Now he, he, the Lord Jesus, the sign, his very own character. His very own character was dismissed um, uh, <clears throat> and been accused of being the devil himself. You're in Matthew, turn to the Gospel of John. Uh, Gospel of John, chapter 8, please. John chapter 8, here in verse 48. John chapter 8, here in verse 48. <clears throat> We're talking about the character. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and has a devil? Now go to verse 52. Then said the Jews unto him, now we know that thou hast a devil. Wow. Wow. The son of God. The one who came to save them. They labeled him. They accused him of having a devil and indeed the devil himself. Uh, his very own character has been dismissed and been accused of being the devil. Uh, now, they really gave it to him, isn't it? Because 
out of verse 52. Now turn to chapter 9, just a few pages. Uh, John chapter 9, here in verse 24. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man, referring to the Lord Jesus, is a sinner. They called him a sinner. Notice that they really, without inhibition whatsoever, they gave it to the Lord um, uh, as if that wasn't enough. Jesus, the sign, the miracle, the gift, the wonder that he is uh, to them, they mocked him as he died. Back in Matthew chapter 27 this time, Matthew chapter 27, just a little bit of a review here and just put things in perspective. Matthew 27 verse 39. Uh, here in verse 39 up to 44. Uh, and they, remember they are mocking him now. Uh, and they passed by, reviled him, wagging their heads. And saying, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priest mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He save others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his Teeth. Wow. And what about his resurrection? After his resurrection, as Simeon prophesied, they spoke against this sign, for they lied that he did rise from the dead. You're on 27, just one chapter, Matthew 28, uh, in verse 11, please. <clears throat> Matthew 28. Now when they were going... Uh, behold, some of the watch, the gods, came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done, the things that were done uh, uh, at the tomb. Uh, <clears throat> and when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, verse 13, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. Did you see that? They bribed the soldiers so they would lie about the Lord Jesus rising from the dead. Now we read all of these, right? Uh, we, 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 we consider all of the things that we read and more, and we shake our heads and scratch our heads and say, how could they? Uh, how could they have not seen? How could they not believe him? It's all there for them to see. But do you realize that it's still the same today? Yeah. Men still did not or do not believe Jesus as he should be believed. Uh, they doubt. Uh, and even some, which is sad, reject him and his coming again. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 to 4, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? 
For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Don't you hear that today? Scoffers. And then some do not even believe that there is God in heaven. Uh, Proverbs, uh, Psalm 14, verse 1. The fool had said in his heart, there is no God. Now, nobody wants to be called a fool, right? But no matter how educated one is, and no matter how many titles and letters before and after people's name, if that one does not believe that there is God, the Bible calls that person a fool. A fool. Simeon praised the Lamb to be the stone, the sign that was and is still being rejected by men today. Notice he also prophesied him to be a sword. A sword. Meaning he was to be Mary's sorrow here back in our text. Imagine watching your son. You mothers can understand this better than anyone else. As this father's plan is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're watching your own son suffer, persecuted, ridiculed, rejected, and ultimately the greatest pain a mother can bear is to see her own son hanging on the cross. My dear ones, like Simeon, indeed the Lamb is worthy of all our praise for who he is, and why he came, and what he accomplished for you and for me. We have learned the motivation of Simeon's praise. Notice now the method of how Simeon and Anna praised the Lamb of God. And perhaps we can learn to follow their example. Here in verse 28 of our text, um, <clears throat> Then took he up in his arms, this is Simeon, and blessed God. Now drop down to verse 38. And she, that is Anna, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. Uh, notice that praise to the Lord must be verbal. It must be vocal. Uh, both Simeon and Anna opened their mouths and spake. Many times we have so much to praise the Lord for, but we withhold. We don't say it. Again, as the year ends, take the time to remember the Lord and how he has been to you this year. I I'm really glad that uh, Fiona has put this thing together. It reminds us of how good God has been to us as a church family. And many more that were not in the images. God has been good to us, folks. Take stock. Uh, before you watch everything in, on the television tonight, I'd rather that you don't. But anyway, take stock. Gather as a family and thank the Lord for his goodness to us. But anyway, Simeon and Anna, uh, they were vocal. Uh, he lifted him up in full view of everyone. You just don't do that at the temple. But he did. Uh, the, he wasn't embarrassed to show his praise. 
could we be the same beloved? You know, sometimes I'm concerned we are so formal and frigid in this, our place here. We're so hesitant to say amen and hallelujah. Uh, I would say praise the Lord sincerely and loudly. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, but It's as if we're embarrassed to praise the Lord in his goodness to us. We have become too sophisticated, too refined, and too afraid of what others might think of us. Uh, when we involve ourselves in the vocal and visible praise of the Lord. I think I know why. I think why I know why that is. Because genuine praise and genuine worship has been abused and corrupted by some that it has lost its essence and meaning. And we do not want to be associated and seen to be like the happy clappies. Now, some faith groups, sadly, have so maligned and so falsified and made it so indecent and disorderly as a show, and it has become a circus or even as a rock concert, but genuine praise and indeed worship, beloved, and the demonstration of it, the lifting of hands in prayer, and indeed in song, the saying, and even the appropriate shouting of hallelujah, amen, are in good order in worship. I mean the genuine one. Psalm 47, verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God the voice of triumph. Psalm 98, verse 4. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing of his praise. Psalm 135, 1 to 3. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the name of the Lord. Praise ye, O servants of the Lord. Ye that, that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Good. Sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. Did you notice that? It is pleasant unto the Lord when we praise and sing unto him. So when Tim, Tim and when Brother Branco asks us to sing, let us make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Let's sing loudly. Let's mean it, what we're singing. Understand, beloved, that David lifted his hands in prayer. Uh, in Psalm 28, verse 2, Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. He did the same in Psalm 63, verse 4. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. And again in Psalm 141, verse 2, Let my prayer be set before thee as an incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Psalm 134, verse 2, the psalmist said, In the house of the Lord, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Paul said to Timothy, I will therefore that men everywhere uh, pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Even the Lord Jesus himself, on his ascension back into the heaven. Luke 24, 50, and he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now, don't misunderstand me and get me wrong here. I'm not advocating and suggesting the clapping and lifting of hands here just for the sake of it. Hmm. 
No, that's not my intention. Nor am I recommending it because of what it has become in the worship services in many churches today. I just want us to all understand that praising the Lord is both vocal, a verbal indeed, and it's visible. And the encouragement to you and me in context, okay, in context is that we are to do the same. Rather than becoming so formal and frigid and wouldn't utter a word of praise. Oh, what are our blessings today? Everyone looks down. Folks, let us praise the Lord. Let us thank him for his goodness. Now, the motivation, the method, the method in praising the Lamb after these were done, the ministry in praising the Lamb of God. Look with me here again in verse 28 of our text, chapter 2, uh, Gospel of Luke. Here we find, then took him up in his arms and blessed God and said. Uh, uh, <clears throat> go to verse 38 as uh, we uh, looked at uh, Anna, thank God. Now, my dear ones, we praise the Lord as he should be praised. He, the Savior, is exalted if we do praise him. He is exalted. He is lifted up. Our praise brings glory to God. You see, the religiosity of people in the temple is all about the ceremonial rules and rituals. You go to a Judaistic faith, that's what you see. And I'm concerned that people would trade off Christianity, genuine Christianity, and wants to go back to Judaism and claim themselves to be Jew when they're not. You cannot be a Jew just because you want to be a Jew. You have to be born a Jew. You may like the pomps and the ceremony of Judaism and claim that you are a Jew. You're not a Jew if you're not born a Jew. And then rubbish Christianity just because that's what you want to do. We praise the Lord. And when we do, he is exalted. The ceremonial rules and rituals, but when Simeon and Anna praise and thank the Lord, the focus and the object of worship was taken away from the ceremonial to Christ. From the ritual to the relationship. You see the difference? And why would you go back? Why would you walk back to an empty religiosity, I do not understand. I say it again. We come to this place for to worship and exalt the Savior. Everything else is secondary. We come to this place to worship and everything else is secondary. If I ask any one of you why you come to this place, Your first and foremost answer without hesitation is, I come to this place to worship. You don't even think twice. You come to this place to worship, uh, not to be at war with each other. We do not come to this place to weary or whack each other with abuse. We do not come to this place to whine about our lives. We do not come to this place to say wicked words to each other. 
We do not come to this place to be willfully disrespectful, disobedient, and dis dismissive of ecclesiastical authority. We do not come to this place to win the affection and the applause of men. We do not come to this place to wish or will ill upon anyone. We do not come to this place to wreak havoc about the place. We come to this place to worship the Lord. And that is what we do. My dear ones, when the Lord is genuinely and sincerely praised, he is exalted. And his church and in the world, he is lifted up. The praise of God's people is important. Thank God for the ministry of praise. The second ministry of praise is that the saints... That's you and me. We are encouraged and edified when people praise God. I confess, even as your pastor, there are days that I do not feel, okay? That's the word that I'm going to use. I do not feel praising the Lord. It's as if there is nothing to praise the Lord about. Mind you, there's always things to praise the Lord. And so, yes, there are times that you and I do not have the motivation like Simeon had to praise the Lord. But, but, when one of you verbally and visibly through your excitement, uh, through your body language, praise the Lord genuinely <laughs> and sincerely. Guess what? I get encouraged. You get encouraged. You say amen to the praise. Uh, and so as we listen to that somebody praising the Lord, we are encouraged and we are edified. That's another ministry of praise. As we hear you praise the Savior, you are ministering to us. You are encouraging us. You are edifying us. And we can say amen to what you are testifying and praising the Lord for. But if all we have to say in this place is complaints, how hard we have been hard done by our troubles in this, that's not edifying. Sure, I understand we need to burden bear. Oh, but beloved, can we praise the Lord more? Because it has a ministry of encouragement and edification. And then the third ministry of praise is that it will evangelize the sinners. Verse 38 here. And she, that's Anna, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that look for redemption in Jerusalem, in Israel, indeed, uh, Jerusalem. Now, because Anna, through her thanksgiving, spake, she was verbal uh, with her praise and thankfulness to all of them there at the temple 
many people there are looking for redemption. And because of what she did, because of her thankfulness and attitude of praise, people look up to her and her speech. Um, When you and I speak of the Savior and how good and gracious he is to us, those that are looking for redemption, and there's plenty, my dear ones, there are plenty of people that are hurting today, genuinely hurting. And our praise and our thanks to the Savior will give them hope. Never underestimate your little testimony. You don't have to be dramatic about your testimony. Just tell them what has happened to you. And how you're thankful for the God that has saved your soul. Never underestimate the power of your testimony, the power of your praise to and of the Lord, uh, indeed to a sinner. He, the Lord, can use your little testimony and make much of it. Remember, little is much. Little is much when it's given to the Lord. Sadly, we do not always take the opportunities before us because our professions perhaps do not match our performance. Our deeds do not match our doctrine. Our walk does not match our talk. And perhaps that is the reason why we do not praise the Lord and evangelize the sinners. Oh, beloved, in closing, and as the year ends, and as the prospect of the new ones begin, let us take every moment to praise God for who he is and why he came and what he accomplished. Every moment. Because one day, we won't have a moment anymore. One of the blessings of thanksgiving and I don't want to add to their grief and sorrow. Brother Eric stood up and was thankful to the church and all the things that uh, he has experienced and many more. And I don't know if you remember what he said. I may not be here next year. And we had the opportunity publicly to appreciate the man and tell him how he meant to us as a church. Listen. Cherish the moment. Look at that person in the eye and say, I love you. Or, I am sorry. Don't dance around it. Don't justify it. Take and seize the moment. And then together, Praise the Lord. If you're a genuine child of God here this morning, you have all the reasons to praise Him. But if you're not, you have another need. Before you can genuinely praise God as He should be praised, you need to know Him first, like Simeon did, so that you can die in peace, knowing the Savior as we finish the year from my wife and I, and indeed my family, from the leadership of the church, we bid you a very blessed and happy 
spiritually prosperous new year. And church, I've got so much in here and up here that I want us to do for the Lord. But the best way to do that is for us to be thankful for each other, for what we have, and what we can do together. 2024. 2024 and the days coming is not the time to withhold. It's a time to go forward for the Lord. And may that be our prayer and indeed our desire for the Savior. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, thank you again for this time. Thank you, Lord, for this last installment uh, of our series that indeed you are worthy of all our praise. Thank you, Father, that because of uh, uh, who you are and why you came and what you have done, indeed our hearts can be full of praise and thankfulness. And help us, Father, to be verbal, to be visible in our praise and appreciation and our thankfulness to you. Father, help us to realize that when we do, we indeed exalt the sovereign God that you are. We edify, encourage the, the brethren, the saints, each one of us. And indeed, because of our little praise and testimony given to you, we'll be empowered to evangelize the sinners out there. Oh, there's so much to praise you for, to be thankful for, and that's our desire for the year coming. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help us in doing so. And we ask it. In Jesus' name, amen.